Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a beautiful day whenever you're listening to this. I'm going to jump right into today's episode. We're going right into it um, because I'm doing a Q&A and I want to get through as many questions as I can without this being two hours long because I can talk forever on some of these topics. So I just want to jump right into it because we've got a lot of questions. It's just a random Q&A. So we've got some eating disorder recovery questions, some questions about my personal life, different seasons of life, body image, all the things. So we're going to get right into it. First question is, how did you break your food rules? So food rules, the most important thing with food rules is you just have to kind of like normalize. So you have to become aware of them. I will say awareness is the first step. So take some time to think about what food rules you have. These can also be called limiting beliefs. So these beliefs that you have um, created and believed impact the way you kind of see food and that limits you from stepping into your fullest, most joyful life. So limited belief, limiting beliefs, food rules, these things that you just have in your mind of like, okay, I can't eat too many carbs or I can't eat past this number of calories. I can't eat processed foods, whatever quote unquote rules that you have for food, that's food rules. So it's becoming aware of them. Just become aware of them, think through them, make a list of all the food rules that you have. I would say that is step number one. Step number two is doing the opposite action. So this is the hard part, but it is an important part of healing. So if you have a food rule that's like, I can't eat past this number of calories, then mm, stop counting calories. I would say that. I would say work on that first. So different example. If you have a food rule that is, which I have an episode, a full episode on how to stop counting calories. So go find that if you struggle with that, because I know that's a big struggle. It was one of the hardest things for me. So go check that out if that is a struggle that you have. Next, (laughs) different example is, um, let's just say you can't eat processed carbs. That's a food rule that you have. Then you eat processed carbs and you show yourself that everything's going to be okay and you keep eating them until your brain normalizes them. So that's the thing. It's just this thing that has become a rule in your mind, which has become really big in your mind, and you just have to normalize it again. Um, And I know that's hard. It's not easy. But eat the food. So eat the processed carb. Remind yourself while you're eating it. If guilt comes up, tell yourself all of the good things that that food does for you. Gives you energy. Helps your body heal. It does so many good things. So remind yourself of what the good things are that that food does for you. And then keep eating it and reminding yourself of those good things. Fill your mind with gratitude while you eat it do all of that and then just keep doing it until it's no longer a food rule and it's no longer this big thing in your mind. That is kind of the gist of how to overcome food rules. So that's my tip with that. But like I said, I also know it's really hard. So just be kind with yourself, give yourself grace, but also know that unfortunately these food rules are not going to just disappear. You do have to do the opposite action and eat them and prove to yourself that nothing bad happens and that they can actually do really beautiful things for you. So that's my tip with how to break up with food rules. The next question is a personal one about myself and my health. Um, Someone asked, how are things going with your tumor, medications, etc.? So if you're new here, you haven't heard, I do have a tumor in my pituitary gland, a little four millimeter tumor. Well, it was four millimeters a year ago. I'm getting an updated MRI soon. Um, His name is Pituitary Paul. So he's got a name, um, which I kind of wish I didn't name him, but I felt like I had to. But now I'm like 
I feel bad saying like I'm trying to starve Pituitary Paul because that's essentially what I'm trying to do. But I'm like, he has a name now, so I feel kind of bad. But anyway, <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked. Pituitary Paul, my tumor in my pituitary gland. Um, it's been a frustrating journey. If I'm being completely honest, it's been a very frustrating journey. Um, but I'm doing okay and I'm learning so much. I've been thinking about making an episode just about why I'm grateful for my pituitary tumor, just because of the ways that it has honestly just like renewed my relationship with the Lord and healed so many things. I just feel like the Lord has kind of been speaking over me. Like I have, because of this tumor, I have received a healing more valuable in my life than any physical healing could ever be. So I'm just so thankful for this tumor because of the ways that it has deepened my relationship with the Lord and my trust with the Lord. And I even like have been someone my entire life who has struggled with really bad health anxiety. So from when I was in second grade, like that was the source of all of my anxiety that was such a big issue in my life um, at that time. And growing up, like health anxiety has always been a big thing for me. I mean, I just have been terrified of all the things going wrong with my health. And when I was younger, like a brain tumor was probably one of my biggest fears. And so I'm like, this is literally my childhood nightmare coming to life, basically. Um, but I'm saying that to say, that I've struggled with that pretty badly my whole life. And I feel like because of this tumor, um, the Lord has used this tumor to heal that in me. And I really don't struggle with that anymore. And I feel like even now, like if I, I feel like old me would have freaked out about every little like thing that feels off in my head. <laughs> and I don't really feel that way. Like if I get a little headache or something, I recently got a really bad headache when I went to the beach and that did get me wondering. But if I get like a little headache, that would have used to in the past, like sent me into a spiral. I'm like, what's going on? Am I dying? And now I'm just like, it's fine. <laughs> and so I just feel like because of this tumor, I have just experienced a lot of really deep healing and it goes way beyond that too. But I think it's really cool that the Lord could use like one of my biggest fears in life to heal some of my deepest wounds. Um, and I just think that's really beautiful. So all of that to say, when I talk about how frustrating it, frustrating it is, I'm also so grateful because it's led to so much like refining in my life and such a sweet, sweet relationship with the Lord. So currently the update is that, um, I've been kind of just playing a game with this medication, just like going up on the dose, having bad side effects, going back down it not working as well, going back up, having bad side effects. And so recently I went back down to a lower dose and it does not work as well, but it still kind of works a little bit, I think. Um, so about a month ago, I think I got it retested and my prolactin, which is the hormone that this tumor secretes. So I have a prolactinoma. So it secretes excess prolactin, which is the hormone that produces breast milk when you're pregnant. So it's really fun stuff. Um, <laughs> the symptoms of the tumor are so fun. Your body basically starts producing breast milk if you don't um, catch it, which is fun. So anyway. <laughs> Currently, I got a retest a month ago. It was um, out of the normal range again. It's probably where it was a year ago, which I don't love that I've been like playing this whole game with medication for a whole year and it hasn't really changed much. Um, but I am getting my MRI redone on August 28th to see if it's actually, if the medication has affected the tumor at all or if it's just kind of blocking the secretion of prolactin. 
um, because it can potentially shrink the tumor. So the prolactin feeds the tumor and the tumor produces prolactin. So the more it, they just like feed each other. And so if you stop the production of prolactin, it can shrink the tumor, but it doesn't always do that. So this MRI is just going to give us more of an idea on like what this medication has actually been doing, if it's actually been helping. And I think regardless of what the results say of the MRI, unless it's gone. Um, but my blood work does not show that that is the case. But um, if it's still there, regardless of like what the size is, I feel like I am going to go find a different doctor just to get a second opinion. My doctor is really sweet, but it's kind of just every time I go in there, I feel like it's just a a guessing game and I just kind of sit in the office and she's like this I pay $70 to sit in her office and she's like this could happen if you do this or we could do this what do you want to do and I'm like I don't know like I come here for you to give me some advice so I feel like I'm gonna find a different doctor and um, I was hoping to find one more specialized in pituitary tumors but unfortunately those the ones that do specialize in pituitary tumors you have to like um, qualify for surgery to see them. And at this point in time, I don't. Um, but again, the MRI is going to kind of tell us a lot. So right now I'm just chilling, um, trying to keep an eye on the symptoms, you know, that could be related to this tumor and make sure that's not like getting crazy or anything. Um, cause then I'd probably have to go back in sooner to get my blood work done. But right now I'm just chilling until August 28th, getting a new MRI, then going to a different doctor just for a second opinion. And, you know, I live near Houston, so I live right outside of Houston. And there are just so many, like, amazing doctors in Houston. So I think I'm going to try to find, if I can't get in to see a specialist, I'm going to get in to just see a, an endocrinologist downtown Houston um, because I feel like they just have more experience. So that's what's going on with that. Um, it's been hard, but the Lord has really just done a lot of work in me through it, and I can't help but be thankful for that. So thankful, but ready to kind of move forward and do something different. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Thank you for asking, though. It really means so much that you would check in on me with that. Next question is, how is no longer being vegan affecting your well-being? Um, I really love this question, um, because it has done nothing but beautiful things in my life personally. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying that like a year ago, I was really, really, really having like a hard time borderline identity crisis because I felt like I needed to start eating fish, <laughs> Um, and that was just so hard for me. And now like I just got back from a brunch and I had eggs and bacon, um, which bacon is a new one for me. I just had it for the first time yesterday and I'm having it again today. So that's a new one for me, but it's like, it's brought a lot of, I mean, it's been so good for my health for one. So as far as my body goes, it has helped tremendously. I mean, when I added back, when I added salmon into my diet, I just noticed the biggest shift in my hormones. 
you know, I was struggling with really bad hormonal acne at the time and it just brought so much healing and eggs have been so good for me. And um, recently started eating like a little more meat. Um, I still don't love to cook it on my own, so I don't really cook it on my own, but I will sometimes like get chicken or um, like I got bacon today and I did have my first burger in six years, like a month ago. So that was fun, but like I haven't had one since. So like I'm not cooking it on my own yet and I don't really know what that's gonna look like in the future because I have always been kind of scared of cooking my own meat. Um, Just like I don't trust myself to do it. But um, it has been so beautiful for my hormone health and just for my body's health. And then outside of that, it has just been so freeing. Um, Like it has been, it's just brought a lot of joy into my life. Like I've been just with my friends. I'm like, what's a new food that I can try with you guys? (laughs) Because like, it's so fun. Like I texted my friends like a month ago and I was like, hey, I think a burger sounds kind of good do you want to go get a burger with me? And we like went out and got burgers together. And it was just this fun thing. And yesterday I was with a friend and I was like, I think I'm going to get bacon. And it was just a fun thing. And we're like, okay, what's something new that I can try now? Uh, Chick-fil-A, like let's go get Chick-fil-A. And just like fun stuff like that. It has just brought a lot of joy into my life and connection. And that's something I talk about all the time when it comes to health that, you know, a lot of the times happens when we become so like We become so obsessed with health that we neglect our health. And one of the most important pieces of our health is connection with others. And food is such a beautiful way to connect with other people. And when you take that out of your life, it does take away from your health. So I will say just overall, it has been such a gift in my life. And it has led to so much healing and it's just brought so much joy connection, fun, like it has just been nothing but good for my mind, my body, and my soul. Um, I have not, the one thing I am still a little hesitant with, and this is just a personal thing, um, is dairy. I'm honestly just a little scared about what it would do to my stomach because I stopped consuming dairy um, eight years ago. So I have not had dairy for eight years and I kind of stopped. I do think I, it does not do like the best things in my body with my digestion. I always grew up, um, maybe a little TMI, but we go there here very constipated, um, my entire life growing up. And when I took dairy out of my system, I really was able to heal my digestion a lot until I kind of screwed it up with my eating disorder. But, you know, I just, I'm a little worried about that side of dairy, but I'm curious. So I wouldn't be surprised if I like try something soon. Um, but I'm just kind of easing into it and giving myself grace and just doing it when it feels good. I have tasted, I will say at my friend's wedding in April, I did like have a few bites of her cake, which I know had dairy in it. So I've had a few bites of things with dairy in it, but I haven't like full on had like a full serving of dairy or whatever. So that's the one I'm still kind of like a little hesitant with, but I don't, I want to preface by saying there's nothing wrong with dairy. It's just I haven't had it in so long. I'm a little worried that it would make me sick um, or like constipate me forever. So (laughs) we're easing into that one. Um, But like I said, it's just been a fun journey of trying new things. And I'm just in the season of life where I'm just like doing new things, stepping out of my comfort zone and no longer being vegan has just brought a lot of joy and beauty into my life. And I know everybody's so different and everybody has a different journey with that, but that this is just what it has done in my life. It's been really beautiful. So, um, you know, take that as you will do what you want with that. But this is, yeah, 
my truth. I'm really thankful that I took that step of courage a year ago to start experimenting with that because it's just, it's been beautiful. Next question is how do you learn to move your body for health and not to compensate? So with this one, you basically have to get to, again, the root of your beliefs. So what are these beliefs that you have around exercise? Is there a belief that you have to exercise to compensate for your food, which is, I feel like that's what I'm getting from your question. So where did that come from? Where did that start? And what is the truth? And rewrite that belief. So take that limiting belief, that thing that you have believed that is untrue about food, and then write the truth. The truth is that you don't have to, like your body, you need nourishment regardless of what you do or you know how much you exercise. Your body needs nourishment. It is worthy of that nourishment. And exercise was not created to burn off all of your food. Exercise was created to feel good, to enhance your life, not to take away from it. It should add to your life, not take away from it. It should add to your energy, not exhaust you for the rest of your day. It's it's there to benefit you and to do beautiful things for your body and to make you feel good. And that is going to look different on every day in different seasons of life, different phases of your cycle as a woman. So just reminding yourself of the truth of what exercise really is. And then if you need to do opposite actions. So if you need to just like completely scratch exercise for a while and prove to yourself that you're going to be okay, then do that. Um, For me, I took out all intense movement and I still don't really do any intense movement, but I took out my like long, long walks and I took out any kind of maybe little bit of cardio that I did. And I just moved to like gentle Pilates and yoga and shorter walks. And I did that until I proved to myself and like not doing anything on the days that I didn't feel like it. And I did that as long as I needed to, to prove to myself that nothing bad happens when I don't, you know, exercise in this way that I think I need to. And I still like, you will not catch me doing cardio. You will not catch me running. The most cardio I do is walking, um, maybe walking on an incline, but I don't even do that a lot. So you will not catch me doing that. And that's just because I genuinely don't enjoy it and it doesn't feel beneficial for my body, right? It feels like it it knocks my hormones out of whack and I just feel like I'm right now in this season of my life and this may change. But in this season of my life, that just doesn't feel beneficial to me. And so I just take it easy and I do things that feel good to my body, Pilates, yoga, walking, um, and that looks different every day. And so you really have to, it's all about your mindset around exercise. So you just have to kind of get to the root of that and then replace it with the truth and remind yourself of the truth every single day and learn to just shift your thoughts to that and remind yourself of that truth and rest and prove to your body that nothing bad happens when you rest. And it's actually a really beautiful thing for your body. And um, just kind of go from there and give yourself grace and learn just try to unlearn these beliefs that you have believed that are keeping you in this toxic place. So it's all about reminding yourself of the truth and also just like um, protecting your peace. So if you follow, like if you're trying to shift your mindset around this and you follow a lot of people who just post like workout videos, exercise videos, unfollow those people, mute those people, protect your peace and align your content that you are consuming with what you want to achieve, with the relationship of exercise that you want to achieve. Follow people that have that or follow people that don't relate to exercise at all. Just do what you need to do to protect your peace. That's a very important part of this as well. And remember that health looks different for every person in different seasons of life.
So that's what I have to say about that. Next question is how to get over the desire for a small waist. So this is very similar to the couple other questions that I have answered um, regarding exercise and food. You get to the, the root of it. So what is this belief that you have that a smaller waist is better? Where did it come from? Where did it start? What are the accounts on social media that you follow that make you, that feed into this belief? How can you unfollow those people and follow different people that feed beautiful things into your mind? Um, and what are, what's the truth about your waist and how can you shift it to being grateful for your waist and for your body? So body gratitude. So taking this like, Oh, I wish I had a smaller waist and be like, okay, I may feel that way right now. This is why I feel that way. But I'm so grateful that my waist and that area of my body protects my vital organs. It could, it carries me through this life. If you're a female, it could potentially carry a child grow life. That's incredible. And just focusing on the beautiful things that it does for you and getting to the root of where it came from, replacing it with the truth. Anytime those negative thoughts come, acknowledge them for what they are and where they came from, and then replace them with the truth and with some gratitude. And remember with all of these things that involve changing your mindset, it's going to take some time. And so these mindset shifts are not going to work instantly, unfortunately. So you might not feel better instantly, but the more time, the more you fill your mind with the truth and these beautiful things and thoughts of gratitude, the more these other thoughts are going to fade away and they won't consume you anymore. And you will have, you will genuinely believe these healthy beliefs. So our thoughts gain power with repetition. So the more that you repeat these healthy thoughts into your mind and you fill your mind with healthy thoughts and healthy content and beautiful things, then that's what's going to grow and it's going to crowd out this other stuff. So that's what I would say about that. So your desire for a small waist has come from some belief that started from something. So I would encourage you to get to the root of that. And then, like I said, start those mindset shifts, replace it with the truth, write healthy beliefs, truly healthy beliefs, and turn to gratitude and um, be kind to yourself. You have to speak kindly to yourself. This is such a huge thing. The, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So that goes for the way you speak to yourself. Of course, it means like that goes for the way you speak to others too, but it starts with yourself. So are you speaking life over your body or are you speaking death into your body? And that can sound kind of harsh, but it is the truth. So are you speaking words of life into your body? You have to speak kindly to yourself. If, if you want to get over the desire for a small waist, you have to speak kindly to the waist that you have and to your healthy waist. You have to speak kindly about it and to it. And that may sound silly, but every time you look in the mirror, try to shift those thoughts and be kind to yourself and treat yourself like you would treat somebody you love. Maybe think about your future self. So think about your 80 year old self, what's she going to look back on? And, um, you know, is she going to look back and be like, Oh, I wish I had a smaller waist. I don't think she will. I think she would look back and be so grateful for the life that her body allowed her to live. And she probably would wish that she hadn't spent so much time thinking about it. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Those are some little mindset shifts, um, that you can do to help with that. So sending you so much love. I know it's real. Like all of these things are so real and so hard and it's not easy to change your mindset, but I'm really proud of you for asking this question because it means you want to change and that is the first step. So I'm proud of you and you've got this. Take it one step at a time. So the next question is another kind of personal one. Someone asked, how is it living alone? <laughs> and I feel like I could talk about this one for a whole episode as well. Um, I have so much to say about it, but it has been a season for me of 
such like deep healing. Um, I joke with people. I'm like, if you want some of your deepest wounds to be exposed, then live alone because it will do that. I mean, coming home to an empty apartment, eating dinner alone, eating lunch alone. And I also work with myself, work for myself um, mostly. So it's like, I'm working alone. I'm doing all these things alone. And that's just a lot of time with yourself and with your mind. And so I think the biggest thing for me that it has done is kind of exposed a lot of wounds that I had in relationship with others and beliefs that I had about myself in community. Um, And I kind of realized that I just had this belief that I was better alone and my friends were better if I was not like physically in their life. Does that make sense? And I think part of that is because most of my friendships throughout my life as my adult life as someone who has traveled a lot and hasn't built a community, I've just kind of hopped around a lot. Um, I've had friends that were just like in seasons of life and then we just communicate through the phone and I'm not in person with them. And so it's hard for me to know how to live in community with people because I've never had it. And it was interesting when I moved out I was like, why is the pain of loneliness stronger now that I have a community of people that I love around me? Why does it feel stronger and more painful now than it did a few years ago when I was living alone in Asia? (laughs) Like, what does that, like, I had nobody there. Like, why is that? And it's because I just like, here, I know I have people, but I felt like I couldn't reach out to them. And I just had this belief that I was a burden to them. And I would not would not have realized any of that had I not moved out on my own. Because when I was living with my parents, it was like I would see them every day. We would talk about our day. We would eat dinner together. Like I would just be around people. And now that I'm alone, it's like that need isn't being met. So I have to reach out and ask people if they want to hang out in order to get those needs met. Otherwise, I will go days without seeing anybody and that's not good for anybody. It is biblical that it's not good for man to be alone and I've really experienced that. But with that, I felt so led to take this step in my life and to move out alone into my own apartment. And each step of that felt very guided by the Lord and I was very prayerful over it. And even down to the apartment that I'm in, the apartment number that I'm in, it all felt so guided by the Lord. And so... I know there's so much purpose and I've seen so much purpose in it. And this healing has been so beautiful. It hasn't been easy, but it's been so beautiful. So in saying that, I just want to say that I don't think it's for everybody and it, it's not for every season of life. And I don't want to stay in this forever, obviously. Um, but I do trust the Lord and I feel very sure that he has me in this season for a reason and I trust that as long as I'm in this season it's got purpose and so I'm just trying to use this season to grow closer to him and I'm even like I'm just sitting in my apartment right now and looking around and I'm like this apartment will forever be viewed as a space of healing with the Lord and just a sweet season of communion with him and one-on-one time with him which has been such a gift and so that's kind of what it's been like for me it's been hard it's been Um, but also beautiful, like not all of it has been hard and, you know, uncomfortable. A lot of it has been, I love having my own space. I love my routines. I love being in control of my space. I love the cleanliness, like cleaning my space. It's very therapeutic for me. And I love not having to worry about getting in people's way when I'm like recording videos, recording podcasts. It's nice not having to 
schedule that around other people and just do it in my own time. So there are so many good things. There are pros and cons like to everything. Um, but I feel like for me right now, just because this is where I feel like I'm supposed to be, the cons have been beautiful as well because they've led to a lot of healing. So that's kind of how I feel about it. It's just exposed a lot in my life. Would I recommend it? It depends on who you are, what season of life you're in. Um, so if you feel led to live alone, like I did, I felt like it was the right thing and I still do and I'm seeing how it is and why it is, but that doesn't mean that it has been an easy thing. So I hope all that made sense. I went off on a little tangent with this one. The final question that I am going to answer today is one that I could literally spend a whole hour talking about, <laughs> but um, I'm going to try my best to spark note it. Um, the question is how to deal with singleness and trust God's timing in your life. Um, so the Lord has done a work in me, um, in my season of singleness. I'm only 25. Um, but that can feel really old sometimes <laughs> when it comes to this. And I think that's just because of, you know, a big part of that is because my parents were 20 when they got married. I have a lot of friends who are older than me, but they were 20 when they got married. I have friends who are younger than me, married with kids. Like I just, most of my friends, give or take one or two of my close friends are married or in a very serious relationship. And so my singleness has been um, a lonely and painful thing for me the last couple of years. And on top of that, I am someone who has always just desired marriage. And I am also someone who I am 25 and out of my whole 25 years of life, um, all but three months of that have been single. And so it can feel really, and when I say single, I mean like as single as you can get, like no talking to anybody, nobody really showing interest in me. That has been my 25 minus three months years of life. Um, and that can feel very much like, okay, you know, you can go with, sometimes you can get consumed with the thoughts of like, okay, what's wrong with me? Like, am I doing something wrong? What's going on? But I will say within the last year, really, of my life, year and a half, the Lord has done the deepest healing in me through my singleness. And I have seen so much beauty and so much purpose in my singleness. But I will say that has come with a lot of pain because some of the most beautiful things in our life are the result of painful things and deep healing. And so I would start out by saying one of the most healing and important things for me has been being honest with the Lord about how I feel about it and about how I just feel in general. Um, and that goes for every area of my life, but specifically specifically for being single and that area of my life and the desire for a husband um, and a family, you know, like being honest with the Lord and taking my honest feelings to him. I feel like we can be in this place as Christians where we're like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Like I should just trust the Lord. I shouldn't feel scared. I shouldn't feel worried. I shouldn't feel sad about this because he has a plan and a purpose for my life. Right. So I'm just going to push that away and just move on with my day. But he actually desires to hear that from you. He desires to hear your heart and he loves nothing more than you being at his feet, like being honest and vulnerable with him, right? Like you think about your relationship with your friends, like that's what's so healing is our vulnerability. And so taking that to the Lord, he will do such a beautiful work in you. So you, you go into your prayer closet, you take, you know, go wherever you talk to the Lord, do it wherever, it doesn't matter where. 
but you take it to him and you say, Hey, I'm feeling really sad about this. This makes me, this feels really unfair. Um, this feels really like, it makes me really frustrated. It makes me feel really lonely. I feel very lonely right now. And just being honest with him, like treating him like your therapist, vent to him, cry to him. Some of the most healing, beautiful moments of my life, they've been painful, but it's just like sobbing at the feet of the Lord. And that may sound intense for some people, but I believe that is where the deepest healing comes from. And it's where some of the deepest healing has come from for me in my life is being honest with him and just feeling my emotions with the Lord. And one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. And it says, and Jesus wept. And that's the the gist of the story is that Mary and Martha are sisters and their brother Lazarus had just died. And um, Jesus knew that he was about to go heal him and knew that he could and that he was going to. Yet he still sat with Mary and Martha in their grief, in their pain, and he wept with them. And I have just felt that over my life the last like year um, in difficult things that I've walked through and that I've walked through with other people. I have just felt the Lord with me, like weeping with me. And the truth is that he does that with you. And he cares about the desires of your heart more than you care. He cares about your husband more than you care. He cares about your sadness more than you feel it. He feels it more than you do. And so just knowing that he loves you and he delights to spend this time with you. And then another thing, it's like, it is biblical. Paul says in the Bible that singleness is a gift. And I know it doesn't always feel that way and that's okay. It doesn't have to feel that way, but just reminding yourself the truth that it is a gift and that the Lord has you in this season for a purpose. And Paul talks about it in the sense of it is time of undistracted devotion to the Lord. And I have just seen that lived out in my life in the past year. And so many things would not have happened if I wasn't single. I wouldn't have my prayer closet. I wouldn't have the friendships that I have. I wouldn't have the jobs that I have. I wouldn't have the beautiful, fulfilling, peaceful things that I have. I would not have the relationship with the Lord that I have had I not been in the season of singleness. And so it is laced with beauty and purpose. And if the Lord has you in this season, he has purpose in it and beautiful things are going to come out of this. And you have to trust that. And something else that was helpful for me was just praying every day for the Lord to give me the eyes to see the beauty in this season that he sees. And um, I feel like the last couple of months, it's been a year basically. Um, but really specifically, I feel like more so the start of like 2023 has been even deeper. Um, I've been working through this with the Lord for a couple of years, but I feel like just starting at 2023, I started this little thing that I kind of want to keep a little surprise until further notice, (laughs) but in my prayer closet and, um, just being more intentional about praying for my future husband. And I feel like the Lord has used that to do just the deepest work in me and expose so many things out of his kindness and in his love. And so, um, just trusting that he has you in this season for a purpose and, utilizing this time well. So asking yourself, what are some things that I can do in the season of singleness that I wouldn't be able to do outside of it? So I think about, you know, I recently started volunteering at True Hope, the thing that justified me doing it because I almost didn't because the training class that I had to take was from 6.30 to 9.30 PM. And I was like, I like to be in bed by nine. Um, That feels like a lot for me. But then I was like, wait, this is one of those things that I may only be able to do in this season of my life. And like, what am I going to do if I'm not there? I'm going to be sitting alone in my apartment. So why would I not utilize this time well? So try to utilize the time well. And also like what a gift that you get to heal 
a lot of deep wounds before you step into a relationship and that you get to learn and listen to podcasts and read books about what healthy relationships actually look like and what healthy marriages actually look like and you know get friends who are married and have healthy marriages that you look up to and you know learn from them and watch them and see what healthy relationships and marriages look like learn about it see it and that's such a gift because you will get to walk into a marriage that is so much like lighter and more beautiful not that it's not beautiful you know the lord has purpose for the people that get married at 20 and walk through you know, difficult things in their marriage, it strengthens their marriage. So there's purpose in that for them, but there's also purpose in it for you. If you're single, like the Lord has just different things for all of us. And so just trusting him in that and reminding yourself every day, even when it hurts that the Lord withholds no good thing. That is something, a reminder that has been so helpful for me. He is not withholding anything good from you. He is, he has a plan and a purpose for your life that is deeper and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. So trusting him in that and reminding yourself of that, even when it doesn't feel that way, because it might not always feel that way. And I want to acknowledge your pain and you need to acknowledge your pain too. That being single is hard and being single when all of your friends aren't is hard. Being single and seeing someone five years younger than you get engaged is hard. When that is the thing that you're praying and believing for, when you are praying and believing for marriage and you see all these other people getting it and you're not, that is hard. But take that to the Lord and let him show you. Like if you ask him, you're like, Hey God, I kind of want to partner with you in this. I kind of would love to see what you're doing. Why you have me in this season. Can you show me that? He will. You just have to trust him and you have to get to know him on a deeper level. And, and what better time to do that than in a season of singleness. And so I would say, just trust the Lord and lean into him, just lean into him, be honest with him and use this time to as an undistracted devotion to the Lord and to do things in this season that you wouldn't be able to do outside. Love your friends well. That's another thing. I'm like, God, I have so much love to give. And he's like, look around you, girlfriend. Like I have placed friendships in your life that you have prayed for. And I know for me personally, like that's a beautiful thing too. Like if I had gotten in a relationship a year and a half ago, I would not have half the friendships that I have now that have been such an answer to prayer. And what a gift it is to have community. Like even if you are married, you still, it's such a beautiful thing and healthy thing to have community. And so I feel so thankful that I've gotten to, you know, figure that out for myself before I step into a relationship and a marriage. And I just think there's just so much beauty in seasons of singleness. And I'm not saying that makes it easy. That doesn't make it feel good, but you can find purpose in it and you can find beauty in it and it can feel really beautiful sometimes. I will say majority of this year, has felt very hard in that part of my life, in that area of my life. But the last couple of months, I feel like I've just been walking in the fruit of the healing work that I've done. And I have just been in this communion with the Lord and like just this place where I know that that is something that he's going to gift me with someday. He's not withholding that from me. So I'm like, okay, God, thank you that I get this time with you. And I genuinely feel thankful. Like, thank you that I get to just wake up and spend an hour in silence with you and spend two hours in my prayer closet in the evening with you. Like what a gift. There's no deeper gift, no more beautiful gift than that. And so really just, just trying to see the beauty in it and, and acknowledging your pain and being honest with other people. Like I, this is something I talk to some of my close friends about and I'm honest when it hurts and I'm honest when it feels unfair with them and I cry about it to them. And so just having those people that you can talk to about it um, and praying for your spouse, praying that the Lord is doing the same work in them that he's doing in you, praying for their character, praying for their safety, for their health, pray over them, pray over your future marriage, take this time to 
pray over your marriage and that it is healthy and built on the Lord and strong and beautiful. Um, these are all beautiful things to do in your seasons of singleness. So don't let this like waiting turn into like just waiting and being sad. Like I want you to feel your emotions. Like I've said, I mean, you know that it's important and I've talked about it. Like I cry, I cried every day for a long time about this, but, um, (laughs) don't just sit in that and, and not live into the fullness that the Lord has for you right now. Cause he has some beautiful gifts for you right now. You just have to kind of invite him in and let him in to kind of do this work in you and, um, clear your lenses so you can see clearer and more beautifully. So that is my spark note version of advice on seasons of singleness and how to trust the Lord's timing in your life. Like I said, I could do a whole episode on this, so maybe I will. Let me know if that's something you would like. Um, cause it's, it really is something that I'm very passionate about talking about now. Cause I've just walked through it with that area of my life and I feel so thankful for the healing that has come out of it. So, um, that is that. <laughs> I think that is it for today, guys. Um, I don't want this episode to be super long, but um, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Can't even talk anymore. Um, in full transparency, I just had to re-record half of this because my mic was acting up and the whole thing was fuzzy and you couldn't hear anything I said. So I'm like at that point now where I can't really speak anymore. So bear with me, but I love you guys. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for listening to this whole thing. If you did, I would love and be so thankful if you could just rate the show, leave a review or share, um, share with somebody who you think could find this encouraging or helpful and yeah, here for you guys. Love you guys. Go do something kind for yourself today. Don't neglect yourself. Go do something kind for yourself. Go do something to fill up your soul and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.